1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, we'll join today by a new favorite of the ODR listeners and of myself, <laughs> Greg Conley, the man himself from the state capitol. Um, so we're continuing through First Peter. We're obviously kind of in the middle of chapter two. And First uh, Peter, it's really striking to read this in the middle of our Life in Babylon series because Peter loves this motif of sojourners and exiles and he goes back to it today he uses it in verse one of the book um you know calling his audience elect exiles invoking you know passages or uh moments in scripture like jeremiah daniel which we just read so um it's very clear connection in many ways to the old testament peter's using a lot of sacrificial language and uh, specifically in speaking of the atonement of Christ. And so today we're continuing on into Peter's in a, a little more practical of a section uh, where he's talked about the glorious inheritance and the living hope and all this of being rooted in, in the gospel. And he's now building the case that that should profoundly change the way that we live. And so today we have this uh, commendation to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And uh, then there's this interesting, uh, really helpful verse 12, which is about our conduct among people who are outside of the faith and the impact that that has. So Greg, nobody wants to hear me talk. <laughs> they want to know what Greg Conley is thinking about verses 11 and 12 of First Peter 2. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure they want to hear from you more than me. Well, no, but I, I appreciate don't. it. They don't. Um, <laughs> they don't. I promise. I think the um, I think that when I first read this, you know, the the calling us sojourners and exiles uh, to me is sort of freeing. And it is interesting we're talking about it in the Life of Babylon series. But it's like freeing that if you're a sojourner and exile, you don't have to be conformed. You don't have to mm-hmm. worry about you know being as as conformed to the world. You sort of are free to act in a way that comports with God, and He's sort of calling you to that. Um, and when he talks about, you know, conduct among the Gentiles and keeping it honorable, what it sort of reminds me of is, um, when I was in the army, you don't ever wear your uniform out in public, Mm -hmm. um, unless you're authorized to do so. Like you wear it at work and you take it off. If you go to the restaurant or something like that, you just wear like regular clothes. And the reason is because when you're wearing your uniform, what they'll tell you is nobody, no person you interact with sees you. Mm. All they see is the uniform. They see the army. You represent this organization. Mm. And if you act like a jerk or you do something stupid, you bring dishonor onto the organization. And so don't wear your uniform unless you're prepared to behave in a way that brings credit onto the organization you belong to. Mm. And I've always taken that somewhat into into my Christian life in the sense that if you behave as a Christian and if people around you know you're a Christian, Mm -hmm. and hopefully they do, um, you should behave in a way that brings credit onto the church, brings credit mm. to you, brings glory to God. And I think that, you know, when he's calling you to, to keep your conduct honorable, um, they, they, it, it, it not only reflects well on God and reflects well on the church, 
But it also, you know, he he ties it to when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That um, that when they speak against you, they don't have anything to say against you in terms of your moral character or the way that you behave. You're not a liar. You're not a cheat. You're not a thief. You don't gossip. You don't stab people in the back. You act well. You act honorably. Mm-hmm. And that what they don't like about you, what they're ultimately rejecting about you is Christ, mm-hmm. who is rejected by everyone. Right. So I think that to me, that's that's the first thing I think of is that as we as we're in the world, as we're existing as exiles and sojourners, we behave in a way that brings great honor to our brothers and sisters, to the church and ultimately to Christ. And in that way, um, it, it clarifies for people that what you know, that, that you're not behaving in a way that makes them think that Christians uh, either are not living out what they believe that the Bible actually changes us. Absolutely. And, and that's an example that we can give to people. Absolutely. You know, this is such a important aspect of the Christian life, like our reputation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of interesting because we also are called not to like live in the fear of man and, you know, to be mm-hmm. uh, consumed with people pleasing. But I think we can go too far into like, I don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah. I follow Jesus. Like I know the truth. And we can see that in circles of Christianity and, and you can't put it on either side of the aisle, the left or the right, but you know, it can take form as like virtue signaling or just being mm-hmm. outright like hostile or arrogant. And we see throughout the new Testament time and time again, that the way that people see us behaving ourselves and carrying our lives has a massive impact in the eyes of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think of Matthew five, Jesus himself says, let your light, let your good deeds shine before others so that they'll see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so we're taught by Jesus himself that the way that we live out the gospel through good deeds and good works and generosity and charity and kindness and brotherly love, that that is, that can lead people to worship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in first Timothy three, this is really interesting. One of the qualifications for elders that is given in First Timothy three, as you know, Paul tells Timothy. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, mm-hmm. so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So this idea that we're not supposed to be a holy huddle where it's like, who cares what everyone else thinks? Right. Like that guy knows a lot about the Bible. His coworkers hate him, but <laughs> but. And, and, you know, like he, he pays his like workers pretty poorly, but man, have you heard him talk about Genesis too? Mm -hmm. You know, like he, that totally disregards the mission of Jesus, which is for the beauty of the gospel, the Mm -hmm. goodness of God to be displayed through the church. And so the way that we carry ourselves really, really matters. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it, it accompanies the witness of the church, like, we don't believe there's that old quote that says, uh, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. And like, we don't really believe that because we, you do have to use words. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you do have to, you know, speak the truth about God, uh, for people to hear the gospel and, and become, you know, believers and doers of the word. Mm-hmm. But what the Bible also very much confirms is that your reputation in the public circles like massively impacts that. And Mm -hmm. so if you're the only person on your street who follows Jesus and, you know, 
you're everyone's like least favorite neighbor and your yard is like a wreck and you know, you're like bringing down other people's property value. They're not going to think well of Jesus because they don't think well of you, you know? And so that's like the interesting act of worship that is mowing your grass or, (laughs) you know, like uh, redoing the roof on your house. Like there's, I think that's why it can be a little confusing about like, how are the small things that we do, like packing a good lunch for, you know, our kid to take to school or, uh, being really nice in a stupid work email or being respectful in a meeting that we hate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like how, how is that an act of worship? Well, it's because the way that you engage with the mundane of life, if you carry like a spark of hope and joy into things that other people don't. And if you have a sense of purpose that is clearly going to have a positive impact on how people view you and therefore Mm -hmm. the things that you associate with yourself, the Mm -hmm. things that you draw meaning from. And so if people know that your entire identity rests in knowing God and that that has had a profoundly positive impact on their life, Mm -hmm. that speaks very highly of Jesus. I I agree hundred percent. I think that it reminds me of the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. When you think about the way that he interacted with people. Yeah. Right. He didn't, uh, he didn't, he wasn't like, you know, owning people. Mm. Um, he wasn't treating people poorly. And when he's actually put on trial, what's he actually put on trial for? Like he's not, he's not, he's, he's the, the problem they have with him is the claims he makes about himself that are true, mm-hmm. but they don't have a way that, problem with the way that he conducted himself around human beings. Uh, even when he holds people accountable, mm-hmm. he does it in a way that is firm, but he's not cruel. He's not nasty. And I totally. think you're right about sort of the Holy huddle. Sometimes I think Christians kind of get their hackles up and they're like, well, everyone's out to get us. Like, I don't really care what people think, but the truth of the matter is, is if your life in any way, if anything about your life can bring glory to God or advance his gospel or get someone closer to knowing him, you should give it over to him. Mm-hmm. And if that means mowing your grass, if that means, you know, being gracious at work when people are, are unkind to you. Yeah. Right. Like that, if that gets people closer to God, if it brings glory to God, then you should do it. And I think that what, you know, what Peter's really pointing us to is like everything changes Mm-hmm. When you come to know Jesus. And that doesn't mean just everything in your head or everything in your heart. It means literally the tactile things of life. Everything you do becomes different mm-hmm. when you become a child of God. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's such a, it's such a, to me, it's so beautiful and so large. And it makes you realize that the Christian life is so much more Absolutely. than you thought it could be, that it permeates all that we do. And what a wonderful high calling, but it's also a check when you realize like, oh man, like I'm really not acting in a way that brings glory to God and I need to start thinking about the way I behave in all aspects of my life. And so I think practically speaking as a Christian, this is something that you never stop mm-hmm. kind of running through. Like, like how am I living my life in ways that sort of point people to Jesus? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of organizations that I've heard kind of stories like this, but I'm thinking of one in particular that they, it's a missions agency mm-hmm. or organization, but they teach English and, you know, countries across the world that want their people to know English because it's kind of the largest common language right now. And this organization started in like one country, just bringing people over from America and teaching English in these different ways. And they're pretty like overtly faith-based and Mm -hmm. whatnot. And now like they've spread into all it because, you know, basically one communist like closed anti-Christian country sees all the citizens of 
this other country, like they're getting good educations in English and they ask their government and they're like, well, it's this organization. And so these countries who hate Christianity are inviting a, a organization that they know is faith-based hmm. into their country to teach English. And they, they like know what's happening, but it is doing such a service for their people mm-hmm. that they're willing to like sort of let it slide. Yeah. And that's a, a great example of how being productive members of society, and this is what Dees is hammering him, but being productive members of society in large scale things like teaching countries English and in small scale things like upkeeping a good house and, you know, having kids who are treated well at mm-hmm. home and all these different things actually bring glory to God. Because then when we share the gospel explicitly with words, there's a witness of we we actually have lives that, yes, are, are stained with sin and, and brokenness, but are also stained with beauty mm-hmm. that like back up the testimony of Jesus. Yeah. So great stuff. Go mow your grass and uh, have a good <laughs> attitude in that stupid meeting you have to go to today. <laughs> so for Greg Conley, this is Will Carlisle. We're going to keep on going through First Peter tomorrow in our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.